as you've heard, the theme for tonight is fear. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. I um, I asked, uh, Daniel said, well, Mom, what are you going to preach about? And I said, what are you afraid of? And he goes, nothing. I'm like, no, that's not what I, <laughs> the name of it is. What are you afraid of? And I'm like, it's good. That, that's a good response. Yay. <laughs> and then <laughs> nothing. And then I, I get ready to I'm down in uh, Indy on Monday, and I'm talking to Rachel, and she's like, Mom, what are you going to, what's your message going to be about? And I said, what are you afraid of? And she goes, nothing. I'm like, no. (laughs) That's the name of the message. What are you afraid of? And I was like, well, all right. I got two kids that replied nothing, so I guess I'm doing okay (laughs) in that department. Um, But I... About probably two months ago, I went to a funeral, and it's nobody's relative here. It was a funeral, and I was sitting there, and because I I just felt an obligation to go, I didn't really know anything, so I wasn't super emotional at this funeral, you know, you know, kind of those kind of funerals. And I was sitting there, and so I was able to just watch people, and it was in a, a, I think, Baptist church. So we were singing hymns, and it was nice because I grew up in a Baptist, well, a Baptisty type background. My my mother was from a Baptist church, and my my neighbor. Now, my I was charismatic from the day I was, from like one year old. I was in a charismatic church. So my neighbor, God love her, she was like my grandma. She would take me to Baptist church because she wanted to make sure I was saved because she wasn't real sure about the full gospel movement. She wasn't real sure about you know. I, they were sure that we were handling snakes and all that kind of fun stuff in our church, and so. She would take me to Baptist church to make sure I was saved <laughs> because she loved me. She was like, my grandma, we got to go to Baptist church because I want you to go to heaven because I want to see you someday. And so, <laughs> so I grew up learning hymns and all that kind of stuff. So it was a very comfortable place. And I was just singing hymns and hanging out and, and watching people. And there was this guy sitting there with his wife. And she was very much into what was going on. And he was very much not. You know, you could tell it's just like a ching-ching. I'm here to punch the clock, and when we're done, I might finish the snap I'm starting. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I, I thought, well, well, that's, you know, and there was nothing more that the lady wanted than to have her husband join her. You could just tell. She just kept looking over, like, please be singing the song, and he wouldn't, and she'd be, like, sad. And then she'd look over, please be saying the virtual this, and he wouldn't, and she'd be sad. And he was just like... And I was like, you know, I, I don't, I, I, you know, you go, some, and you could tell it's just somebody just went to church and just went to church. And um, so I just started, you know, hanging out and still singing, and God just dropped it in my heart. He was like, he's afraid. I said, well, that's not what fear looks like to me. <laughs> You're going to have to be more specific, God. And he said, he's afraid of a real relationship. So it's very easy to sit there and just kind of let it bounce off into the floor. And it looked like disinterest. It looked like tired. It looked like a lot of stuff. But God said it's fear. And so this, this message began to roll on the inside of me what, the, what fear really looks like. It's not like it, 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 it manifests itself in many different ways. And it, God began to unfold or show me different places where fear 
was the root. Fear was the cause. Fear was the motivation behind the action. And um, just the, 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 the headline of this message is, fear is the opposite of faith and will cause you to stop or not accomplish what's in your heart to do. And fear is the thing that, and so the underlying theme is, fear is the thing that keeps us from going to that next place with God. Because the opposite of faith is fear. And if we are looking at what we're supposed to do, or what God tells us to do, or what we're supposed to lay down, those kind of things, and and there's no momentum to take it forward and to follow that through, then somewhere we let fear capture our heart and so in this I said all right well so now I need to know what fear is so the definition of fear is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger evil pain etc whether the threat is real or imagined the feeling or condition of being afraid and then I looked up fear on the internet of course because we can and uh (laughs) I said and And I knew there were, like, basic human fears. And all the other fears kind of, you know, come out of that. All the phobias, all the things come from basic fears. And they all agreed that there were six. They didn't agree which six were the basic ones, but they all agreed there were six. And the ones that were the main ones were rejection, death, being abandoned, the unknown, and the loss of self-control or self-dominance, meaning you are in control of what happens to you. Those were the five biggies. They showed up on everybody's list in some form or another. And some of the others were um, fear fear of failure, uh, confinement, old age, ill health, poverty. Those were the ones that kind of made up the sixth one. And the list had different ones in that place. But those were the ones that made up those lists. So... What I want you to do tonight is before we start, think of the thing that you see as your biggest obstacle right now or the thing that triggers a certain emotional reaction all the time. Because God began to show me that the things that are triggering your emotions are not like frustration and anger and all those kind of things. It's fear. And if we take it back to what are we afraid of in this situation, what is it that our fear is, then if we look at that, at what the fear is, then we can deal with the root of it. If we just constantly try to not be angry, if we just constantly try not to be frustrated with people, if we just constantly try to avoid poverty, then we're not dealing with the root of it. But if we say, what is it that when this happens... What is it that I'm truly afraid of? What is it that I'm, that I'm dealing with that, that's triggering that insecurity on the inside of me? Because if we can find that, if we can look at that, then we can start building that relationship and we can, and we can move forward. But if we're constantly just dealing with the fruit, then we'll never get rid of the root. And, and that's, the, that's the word that God gave me is, is you have to look at what's the underlying thing because it's fear. If it's not faith, it's fear because the opposite of faith is fear. And fear comes from the devil. 
And I was listening to a message um, by Kenneth Copeland, and in it, he was talking about how the devil is a fallen angel, and angels have no creative ability. So he has no ability to create anything in your life. He can only take the laws that are here that, that are established by God and pervert them into something else. And the analogies that he gave were um, sin is the perversion of righteousness. Um, death is the perversion of life. Hate is the perversion of love. And fear is the perversion of faith. So anything that is not of faith is fear. And we see that in, if you turn to Genesis 3, Genesis 3.10, this is, the very, this is where fear entered. And it happened as soon as Adam sinned. As soon as he sinned, the very th- next thing that he says is, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. The very first thing that he said was, I was afraid. Because at that point, then he began to realize who he was as a person, and fear came into his heart. And in these studies that I read, some of them briefly, um, they said that, you know, they, they kind of attributed all the emotional reactions that we have to fear, good or bad. And I would say, well, okay, scientist guy, you're right. Because a life without Christ, there's no faith. And if you have only the opposite of faith, which is fear, then all of them do come from fear. So, hey, right on. You discovered truth, and you didn't even know it. Because it is a life void of faith, so it has to be out of fear. But, and then, but Jesus said, and, and and he just reiterated the fact that the that the opposite of faith was fear when he talked to his disciples. In, in Matthew eight twenty six or Mark four forty, it says that um, this is when he was coming across and he, and he calmed the storm and said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So again, this idea of when you're in fear, you're not in faith. They're opposite each other and you can't be in both at the same time. Um, faith and fear are very closely related and faith and fear work the same way, but they produce different results. When you're operating in fear, fear produces death. When you're operating in faith, faith produces life. When you're operating in fear, fear is limiting. If you've ever known anyone who's afraid of something, they're done. They're stopped. That's it. They can't go forward. If you, if you know people who operate in faith, it's limitless because they see God as the one who's able to do it because they're depending on him. But when you're in fear, you're depending on what you can do. You're depending on who you are. You're depending on how far you can go, and that's limiting. And so when you're in fear, you're limited by how far you can go or by what you can do because that fear stops you. You know, if you've ever tried to get... Somebody in an elevator that's afraid of elevators, you're going to need a horse tranquilizer. Because, you know, they've got their hands and feet, and it's, it's just crazy because it's not going to work. Because they are, they've convinced themselves that if they get on that elevator, most likely they're going to die. 
and standing there and walking up 400 flights of stairs is much better than dying on that elevator. I'd sooner die on the stairwell, <laughs> thank you very much, than on that elevator. There's nothing up there I need. I don't need it. Or somebody that's afraid of heights. You know, those things, they, they stop them from experiencing or going forward with God. It's limited in what you can do. Um, fear propels, or faith propels you forward, but fear keeps you where you are. And, you know, with all the messages that we've been talking about, John's been talking about faith. Uh, the, the, here's the titles of the messages that we've had all summer long. You're not alone. Be strong and of good courage. If it's not you, then who? Faith. Revolutionary faith. Enthusiastic faith. Rewarding faith. Tapping into the source. All these kind of things have, have prepared us because God's getting ready to move us. And if he's getting ready to move us, we're going to have an opportunity to say, whoa, <laughs> I'm out. You know, because fear, as Corey said, is like a last-ditch effort to keep you where you are. And if he can convince you that moving forward is too scary, you won't. If he can convince you that what you have to do is impossible, you won't. Because you're afraid of failure. You're afraid of death. You're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of being abandoned. You're afraid of the unknown. You're afraid of losing control of your life and your ability to control it. You're afraid that if you submit who you are and you give it over to God, he's going to ask you to do something that's out of your control. Well, he probably is because it's his control. And so those things, those six basic fears, grip our heart and keep us from moving forward. Now, fear will keep you from the relationship that sustains you through the threshold to the next step. Because if you're operating in fear, that relationship with God is what carries you from where you are to the next place. Because in the middle of that, you don't see a lot that encourages you that you're going to see something happen. But that relationship, when you have a relationship with God that that says, I love you, I know where you are, everything's going to be okay... When you have that relationship with him, then you can make it through that threshold of that place. You're going to be able to transition well. Because in times of transition, you're standing in a place of known and you're looking to unknown. You're standing in a place of who you are and looking to what you want to be. And if you have that relationship with him, then you can push forward to that next place. And with a lot of us, we're very, very, and especially in this congregation, and I'm, the first half, I'm going to say, yes, you're very, very good at this. The second half, you're going to have to decide for yourself. The first half, you're very, very good when there's something to do. Man, we are an army to be reckoned with. We are a force. Big events, we are all over it. We have volunteers. We have people out the wazoo. We're going to ask, you know, this is, is that bad? Okay. <laughs> always getting in trouble yeah (laughs) well you know I am a seventh grade science teacher so um but I we're good at that 
we're good at taking care of those things. But the place that God quickened to me is those little places. Are you good at every day fellowshipping with him? Are you good at every day volunteering your life for what he has? Are you good at, and this is the part you're going to have to decide for yourself. I, already, I, I can see the outside. I can't see the inside. I see what you do to work. I just know what God told me. We're very good at big things. Are we good at small things? And it's those small things. It's those little relationship places. It's those times when you're seeking him when nobody else is looking. When you're, when you're following his face, even when it's like do the dishes when everybody else is in bed and nobody will see. I mean, it's those little things, those little obedient places, those little things that says, you know, just give them an encouraging word, even they, though they are a total pain in the neck. Just love them. And when you're obedient in those little places, are you fellowshipping with him? Are you finding out what his manna is for you that day? It's those places, it's those relationship places that will push you to the next place. Because that's where the relationship forms that will carry you. And will enable you to push past the fear that says, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what this unknown is. I don't know what's what the next step is going to be, but I know my God will be with me. And that's why I had him sing that song because, you know, that, that idea that I don't know, but God does. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know that my God is going to be standing right there with me. And when we get in these places, we have to be fully convinced that we're free from fear fully convinced that we're free from fear. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Over 110 times in the Bible, God commands us to fear not. 110 times. But the reason that we still do it is we think we have to. We're comfortable with it. We're comfortable with because it's something that everybody deals with. You know, I don't deal with a fear of heights. So that's not something, I'm like, okay, it's not a big deal to me. But everybody deals with fear. Everybody has an opportunity to be afraid. Everybody has an opportunity to step in unknown. So if everybody has to go through it, then we feel like it's okay to have a little bit of fear. But we would never say it's okay to just murder a little bit. It's okay to lie just a little bit. It's okay to have a little bit of adultery. It's okay. We wouldn't say that. But we say it's okay to have a little bit of fear. And fear is in that same category as everything else. It's sin. And when we get into fear, we're putting ourselves into opposition with God. And not only are we putting ourselves into opposition to God, we aren't giving anything to respond to. Because God responds to faith. There's nothing there for fear. And he's going to do what we're expecting him to. Are you expecting him to show up? Or are you fearful that he won't? If you're extending your faith and giving God something to work with and you're speaking and the angels are coming to perform, it says they hasten to perform his word. If you're speaking his word over the situation, then you're going to see God's hand move. If you're standing on, I hope he shows up one day. 
One day I hope to be healed. Well, you were healed 2,000 years ago. It's already happened. You're trying to become something that you already are. You're pushing to get something from God that he's already given you. Fear says, what if he doesn't come through? Faith says, it's already done. It's established in my life. I get to move forward because that's already taken care of. So, how do we get rid of fear? Focusing on the fullness of provision made through Jesus. Here's a quote from Henry Ford. It's not all Bible stuff. Obstacles are those frightening things that become visible when we take our eyes off the goal. And that's so true. We have to look to Jesus. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, when we look at him, when we look at the provision that we may, that he has, we can see the finished work. We don't have to look at the obstacles on the right and left. You know, it's only when, when you take your eye off where you're going that you even see the things around you. That's, all, that's the only time that they become an issue. When you let down what you're standing for, when you let down what you're looking at, then you can see the other things. But only at that place do you even see the obstacles. Do they even exist in your life? Only when you stop looking at what's in front of you. 2 Corinthians 3.17. In the Message Bible, 16 through 18, it says, Whenever... Uh, sorry, I read a lot, so if I read this incorrectly just forgive me and read what it really says whenever (laughs) though because this is a long one they turn to face God as Moses did God removes the veil and there they are face to face they suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence not a piece of chiseled stone and when God is personally present a living spirit That old, constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shine with the brightness of his face. And so we transfigure much like the the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. See, when we do this, we're seeing the fulfillment or the necessary parts to complete what's set before us. When we look at Jesus, we, see, we don't see I'm insignificant in who I am. We see, God, you're more than enough. When we look at him, when we look at, because what it says is you're looking right into the face of God. And when you look into the face of God and you look in the provision that he's provided for you, you get to see all the things that he is replacing all the things that you're not. You get to say, see all the things that he has, replacing all the things that you don't. And you don't have to see yourself as lacking. You don't have to see yourself as not enough. You don't have to see all the things that become those obstacles on the right and left that keep you from looking into his face. But when you look directly into his face, you get to see what your finished product looks like. 
And as we continue to look into his face, as we continue to gaze on him, as we continue to focus on him, then we begin to step into that righteousness, that fullness of who we are. It's a completed work. When we look in his face, we see ourselves as a completed work. Not half, not part, not whatever. It's a completed work. And he wants us to just grab in there and get just like, when I, when, when I was having a baby, the nurse, I was just freaked out mess. She was just like, come on. I'm like, I can't do it. She's like, yes, you can. And she grabbed me. I mean, like she, she grabbed me. She pulled me in. She got right in my face. She was like, breathe like me. I'm like, and, and like, you know, she, she helped me. I was like, okay, whatever, whatever I saw her do, man, I was doing it. Cause I was like, I'm out. <laughs> this is not going to work. I'm sorry. I didn't take the class. I was stupid. I, I repent. I'll do it next time. But whatever you got to do, get this baby out of me. Cause I'm done. <laughs> I can't do it. And she was very stern with me. <laughs> She pulled me in real close so that I couldn't see anything else. And she said, do it like this. I said, okay. And I did it like that. And I did not quit. I got a baby. I mean, (laughs) you know, eventually it's going to happen. So, but that's what it took. And I think if we let God, he'll do that for us. He will grab us. He will pull us in face to face. If we strip away everything, if we stop putting the boundaries between us, if we stop having fear, those things between us that says, I can't go that far with you because I can't do it. He's like, duh. And he grabs us. If we'll let him and pull us in and say, do it like this. And at that place, I couldn't see anything else. And I was very thankful because I needed that. I needed that to get through. And when you're in that place, if you'll stop pretending like you don't need it. You know, I could have laid back and flipped out and they could, I don't know what they would have done. But if I, I'm sure there were other options, but I decided this is the best one. (laughs) I am going to follow your lead because obviously you know what you're doing and I don't. So here we go. (laughs) Even though you're not doing this, you have a clue. Let's do it. (laughs) God knows what he's doing. And if we'll start pretending like we have the answers and we'll start pretending like we know what's going on and we'll start pretending like it's too hard. And stop pretending like we can't do the work. And stop pretending like we can't go forward and just let him grab us, pull us in and and say, yes, sir, whatever you say, I want to do it because I need this and I, you know, I got to keep going with you. And if we'll just stare into his face, we'll see the completed work. We'll have the victory. But we have to pretend like there's nothing else around. We, it's, a, it's a mindset. It's a choice. It's something that you have to do. You have to set aside those things, and you have to get right in with God. It's just me and you. Because your, your husband can't sustain you. Your friends can't sustain you. Your children can't sustain you. It's you and God. When it comes down to it, it's you and God. Or it's you and you. 
and that's a horrible choice. <laughs> that's the worst one of all, you and you. Uh, <laughs> you and God, awesome. You and you, horrible idea. So you have to look to Jesus. You have to rehearse who he is. Psalm 62, 7 and 8 says, My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. God delivers me and exalts me. God is my strong protector, my shelter. In Psalm 23, 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. Not... I will fear no evil as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death because my God is with me and he, you know, it's my, my God, my daddy. He is right here beside me and he is bigger and better than all y'all. So if you like to throw down, talk to my dad because he's right here with me and we are going through the valley of shadow of death, but it is not a big deal because he was right here beside me. And he is bigger than you. He is better than you. He's kicked your hand in several times. And he's right here beside me. So what? What are you going to do? Let's go. Bring it. You got nothing on him. I mean, you got to rehearse that. You, you, you got to know who you are. Because when you're in that place, when you're right there with him, you're invincible. The enemy has no power over you. He has no power over your children. It says the, the, the seed of the, of the righteous are saved. That's your kids. What do you, you oh, let's go back to this one part. And he will do what you're expecting him to do. What are you expecting him to do? Who are you proclaiming him to be? Who are you saying he is in your life? You know, this is a stand up tall. My God is with me. If my God is for me, who can be against me? Whom will I fear? You know, none of these situations, none of the circumstances that you face are bigger than your God. And, you know, even though there are times when we don't know what's coming up, we face the unknown and our, you know, and and we are emotional beings. We are going to have times when we cry. We're going to have times when we laugh. We're going to have times when we cheer. But we can't have times when we stop. If you got to cry the whole time you're doing it, you do it anyway. Tough toenails. (laughs) I mean, I... uh, my, my, tough. I mean, you just got to keep going. You can't stop in the middle and sit down and cry. You will be eaten alive because I can run faster than you. You know, with the old saying, I don't have to run faster than a tiger. I just got to run faster than you. And if you sit, <laughs> if you sit down, you're, you're a sitting duck. You've got to keep moving. And I believe that the margin of error is next to nothing now. I believe that as we move forward to the end of, of what we know to be right now, that the margin of error is very slim. And when you stop and sit down, 
you can't. You just can't. You have to keep moving. You have to keep going forward. Now, to be able to do this, you have to know the love of God. Because when you know the love of God, you're able to rely on that. And this is a love that's complete. This is a love that's perfect. This is the love that knows no end. Is it um, John 1, 4, or 1, 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. When you know his love, you can accept and trust his provision. Now, these are going to be places where God, and, 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 and so then I begin to say, okay, God, is this just when we're stepping out? Is this just, but it, it, it encompasses all parts of our life. This could be a season where God's asking you to step out in faith. This could be a season where you receive freedom from something by faith. This could be a place where you adjust a life attitude by faith. This could also be a season where you're called to just stand. And that, I think, is one of the hardest ones because it involves you getting out of the way of you because we all like to make things happen. Well, if we just do this, it'll hurry up. If we just do this, you know, reform God helper. I've told you that before. That's not one of my strong suits is sitting around just waiting for it to happen. That's me. But uh, you have to make, and in this place, here's the hard part. You have to maintain an enthusiasm and a preparation even when you see nothing before you. An enthusiasm and a preparation even when you see nothing before you. And that's, and that, that's hard to be enthusiastic about what God's doing, to be moving forward, to be preparing for the next place when it's like, don't you know, I'm changing diapers in the nursery. <laughs> you know, you called me to preach in front of thousands and I'm changing diapers. What is that? being enthusiastic and preparing for the next place, even when you see nothing. Because in that time of preparation, God will show up strong. It's in those places that that relationship builds that takes you from glory to glory to glory. This is a place where we're tempted to exchange temporary for eternal. This is the place where we look at, well, you know what? I've always done this in the past, and it's taken care of it. This is the place where we say, I'll fix it myself. This is the place where we say, this is too much. I can't take it. I'm just going to go have a drink. This is too much. I can't take it. I'm going to go find a man myself. (laughs) And he's going to be a doozy. (laughs) you know this is the place where we exchange the temporary for the eternal what we want for what we need 
And in those places of exchanging the temporary for the eternal, we sabotage our own growth. We want to go forward so bad, but we're not willing to do what God asks us to do because it's easier this way. I was in a place not too long ago, and um, I was in a room full of people. It was more than obvious that they had exchanged temporary for eternal. And it was like, wow. Like, some of them I even knew. I was like, hey, (laughs) I used to teach you. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? That worked out really well, didn't it? (laughs) Your idea is awesome, right? You know, but it's what happens. You know, we make light of it. It's sad. Because here they are sitting, doing the thing that everybody warned them would happen if they went down this temporary path. But we get anxious and we get worried and we get fearful that if we sit here and don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. So we change the temporary for the eternal. We cash in our chips right now instead of waiting till the end. And then we end up paying for it with our dreams, with our desires, with our life. Not that God can't fix all that. But it means we get to go down a different path. It means we get to carry with little extra scars (laughs) that were never intended for us. God can fix anything. He can take our mess and make it into something beautiful. But if we continue to exchange the temporary for the eternal, then we don't give him an opportunity to do that. Somewhere along the way, we have to stop that cycle and we have to say, okay, I'm in it for the long haul. And when you get to that place, you'll begin to see God's eternal blessings in your life. 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So tonight, what I want you to do is I want to... We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.